everybody today is january 12th it's a thursday it is 10 a.m the semester has started again welcome to episode number 280 of the simply cyber daily cyber threat briefing i'm your host dr gerald osher and over the next 45 minutes me you matthew Necci, gail salins and all the rest of the chatter are going to be ripping through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and i'll be providing my expert analysis on each of those stories specifically around how you can operationalize it at work today this week next week in general, or if you're looking to break in the industry, absolutely got you covered. You're going to hear terminology. You're going to get up to speed on current events, different threat actors, techniques. It will go a long way in helping differentiate you in uh, the interviews and also acclimating your ability to absorb new information and pivot around uh, in the industry. But before we get into that, we, as we are prone to do, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with my good friend Eric Taylor and Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses recover uh, from cyber attacks and you know mitigate the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. If you're a business owner, if you're a MSP, if you're a SecOps person and you really could use a hand because you're like basically tasked with 30 different things at work and you're, you know, you're a little concerned what happens if you guys get compromised, call Eric Taylor, get on his calendar. Simple as click, 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 have a conversation. I'm telling you, it, this is like what networking is professionally. Have a conversation. What do you guys do? How could you help us? What would that look like? Does the insurance company get involved? Yes, no. Yes, 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 no. Boom. We understand what's up. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't work, but you've, uh, you're doing due diligence and due care for the business. Love it. Also want to say shout out to Recon Infosec, specifically shout out and what's up to Eric Capuano. Love that guy. Uh, former Air Force and SANS instructor does great work over there as the CTO. If you're in need of a service that provides your organization or organization with 24 seven, so round the clock, manage detection and response, AKA MDR, you need Recon InfoSec. Their transparent offering includes the people, process and tech needed to deliver full spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. They will give you direct access to the entire team at Recon InfoSec. So like the analysts, the engineers, the architects, the people who are actually got their fingers all up in your data, all up in your PCAPs. <laughs> their platform Artemis gives you full visibility. Sim, SOAR, the works, okay? A lot of other uh, commodity MTR providers, and if you've got a story from experience in chat, share it, but no name calling, no doxing. Some of the bigger MDR providers that you're probably familiar with offer big promises, great sales sheet, great slick sheet. You get on and then it's like, they just throw alerts over the fence back at you. And you're like, this isn't actually helping me. That's not what Recon InfoSec does. They actually help you. It's like augmenting your staff with actually a, a fleet of super cyber security practitioners. All that's a long way to say, check out reconinfosec.com for more information. 
and thanks for sponsoring the show. Guys, hopefully you, you know, it's 10 o'clock a.m. Tuesdays and Thursdays um, until summer. It will be 10 a.m. I do teach at the Citadel. Uh, I have an 8 a.m. class and it started today. So, um, you know, I guess the professor's in the house. But, uh, you know, please um, understand that it will be 10 a.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays going forward, remaining 8 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I want to let you know that each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, just like this one, is worth half a CPE. So that stacks two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say hi in chat and document that you were here. Simply look at Morehouse Hacks. VMI is still better. Okay. <laughs> All right. A little, little VMI Citadel rivalry there. But you know what? If Morehouse Hacks claim CPEs for the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing and ISC Squared, ISACA says, now, why don't you prove to me that you were there? All he's got to do is pull up the stream, go right here and say, there it is, next, right? So uh, thank you, next, right? So if you're live, love it. I know it's always tough on the 10 a.m. streams to uh, capture the numbers that we normally do, but we're, we're uh, over 100 right now. So it's great that you guys are here. Thank you for spending a little bit of your day with me. If you're watching on replay, hashtag team replay in the chats, in the comments, make sure you drop it. Again, it helps document that you are here. And also, I really enjoy going back and reading all the team replays. I drop little heart emojis and stuff. It's fun and I appreciate it. I know it's not accessible to everybody all the time. And I appreciate that you uh, make it a point to catch up, catch up with us on the replay. Um, okay. Whew. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and put this to the side. I do want to point out, guys, that there is a pin chat. Um, I'm affiliated now with IT Pro from ACI Learning, basically the old IT Pro TV. Um, they're giving 30% off to Simply Cyber people. Uh, Simply Cyber 30 is the coupon code. I'll show you that later. Also, since it's 10 a.m., we're live and there's fewer people here. Your chances of winning the raffle prize for today, the OSINT using Recon NG full course, full course, is the raffle prize you have a better chance statistically speaking to win it today so stay tuned later for that also team replay um the the drawing will be tomorrow i will show you a video on how to enter the drawing uh at the mid-roll but um I, i've been trying to stick to this um like get right into the news and then jaw jack at the end so i'm gonna take my time but i do want to say what's up andrew nakamura congratulations on winning that yesterday wonderful work harish kumar always great to see you Hey, Sandy Hall, good to see you. Uh, I have multiple videos on risk management already and my GRC analyst class, Sandy, uh, has five lectures on cyber risk uh, and how to, how to assess it and manage it. All right, guys, let's slide into the news. Sit back, relax, and let this wash over you like an awesome wave. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, January 12th, 2023. FAA system failure delays flights. The U.S. Federal Aviation Administration posted an advisory warning that its United States Notice of Air Missions, or NOTAM, system failed, resulting in estimated flight delays and cancellations impacting hundreds, if not thousands, of flights. The NOTAM system sends notices of essential information for personnel handling flight operations that isn't known far enough in advance to be sent by other methods. As a result, the advisory said it ordered airlines to pause all domestic departures until 9 a.m. Eastern Time on January 11th in order to validate the integrity of flight and safety information. The FAA said it's investigating the cause of the issue, and the White House press secretary said there is no evidence of a cyber attack at this point. 
The FAA subsequently confirmed it lifted the ground ban just before 9 a.m. Eastern, with flights gradually resuming. Mandiant VP John Holtquist said a cyber attack on the system seemed unlikely, saying the failure likely came from cascading failures across increasingly complex interdependent systems. Increasingly complex and brittle and old and unsupported systems. I think I think they ran out of characters there, so they had to cut some of those adjectives out. But, um, you know, I, I, ain't, I ain't hating. Oh, Professor Black Ops with a super chat. Thank you. I, uh, I'm glad you enjoyed the chat GPT stream. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Very nice. Yeah, chat GPT as a, as a FISMA analyst. I love it, Professor Black Ops. Good use case there. So, guys, we actually covered this yesterday. If you stuck around for the jawjacking section of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, this was happening live. I gave my initial thoughts and, and feedback on, on what had happened. Um, while, you know, it is a system and it went, it went down and it had profound impact on many, many Americans yesterday, many, many uh, people in the United States. You don't have to be an American to fly in the United States, obviously, but... Um, but this no man system or nomad system or whatever it was went down. Guys, you got to remember um, a couple things. One, the FAA and airline travel in the United States is really, really got a lot of complex systems. Safety, traveler safety, airline safety is paramount to the industry. That's why when you get on the plane and then you got 25 minutes of like pre-flight checks and then you're like sitting on the tarmac because there's like a weird like thing uh going on and they're gonna have to inspect it i know it's wicked inconvenient but you know what those checks and balances ensure that you get to your destination safely and the ones that you love get to their destination safely so i don't have any problem with this that they grounded travel yes it sucks if it interrupted your operations but you know what i appreciate they did it now i do believe that a lot of these systems you see have um their older systems uh, there have been some updates to uh, airline systems and stuff like that, but a lot of them have just worked. And there's, you know, it's a it's a pretty complicated um, solution to up, you know, upgrade or lift, uplift and stuff like that. So, um, you know, they leave them in place, right? So I don't know if this one's brittle. There's obviously being research done on it. It was not suspected to be a cyber attack, which is wonderful. I do want to point out two things. One, Josh Mason. Uh, who's a mod and uh, in chat all the time and stuff. He may not be here right now. He actually went live yesterday around nine o'clock on at least LinkedIn, possibly LinkedIn and YouTube and did a briefing on that system and how it affects airline and stuff like that. Josh is a former pilot in the Air Force and is very well versed in this topic and cybersecurity. So he's absolutely the correct person to be uh, giving uh, insights on this story. So if you're interested in hearing more about it, you'll have to go find it. I'm trying to pull, if anyone in chat has a link to it, please drop it. I don't have it myself. Um, but the second thing that I'll point out, and this is my hot take. So get your tinfoil emotes out. <laughs> get you, I, you know what? I really had no idea that the tinfoil emote hat Jerry was going to get as much uh, action as it did or as it does. But there you go. Tinfoil hat Jerry. Um, here's my thing. Based on what we saw with Colonial Pipeline back in 2020, 2020, I think it was, maybe early 21. Yeah, early 21. Based on what we saw with Colonial Pipeline, a critical, like a, like a critical infrastructure that is perceived by the 
citizens of the United States, the, the, the majority population, the society as critical infrastructure was attacked. And people were like freaking out. They were like pouring gasoline into Coke bottles and stuff like, you know, fools. But the United States government took unbelievably swift action and basically blew up Darkside, which was the threat actor group that did it, got some of the money back, instilled confidence back into the population, mollified everybody's angst. Okay. Okay. So if using that as precedence, if a threat actor attacked the FAA and eroded confidence in air travel and air safety, dude, I, there's no question the U.S. federal government would get heavily involved and would take swift action. It, it's just too important. It's too much ingrained in our day-to-day -day society for it to be considered questioned. Um, so you would be painting a giant target on your back if you were to actually go after that. So that further indicates to me that, you know, maybe it's not um, a cyber attack. Now, we have seen threat actors attack like Southwest Airlines or U.S. Air. But that doesn't hit at the, the foundation of air travel. That just screws over one business. You can still take a different um, flight or whatever. Uh, oh, cool. Here we go. So I'm getting a link right now to Josh Mason's LinkedIn Live. I'm going to drop it in chat. If you're interested, go check it out. The dude's an expert on cyber and piloting. Or <laughs> piloting? You know who's not an expert on speaking? Two, th two thumbs and a smile. This guy. All right. It seems like we're going to get over this problem. Let's move on. Royal Mail hit by cyber incident. The UK's leading mail delivery service said the incident caused a severe service disruption, resulting in the carrier halting international shipping. Domestic UK delivery and collection service remains operational. Import operations also remain in service, although it cautioned the incident may cause delays. It said it launched an investigation in partnership with external experts. This marks the second major outage for Royal Mail in the last few months, following a 24-hour outage of its tracking service back in November. Okay. Police. So, you know, obviously it doesn't affect the U.S. here so much, but Royal Mail, uh, my U.K. folks, um, chime in, please, if Royal Mail is legit, like UPS or FedEx here is in the United States. But, he okay, here's the thing. Royal Mail hit by cyber attack, probably ransomware. So they're probably down operationally. They can't do logistics. They can't get packages to where they need to go. It obviously impacts business. Your package is probably going to take a few extra days to get to where it's going. Now, when I see this story, the very first thing that comes to my mind is phishing emails. I would advise, this might even be, this might be the end user um, story for the Simply Cyber newsletter that I send out every uh, Monday, uh, right? You can see it right here, simplycyber.io slash newsletter. This might be it. Here's the thing. We see a lot of phishing emails around DHL and around UPS. Oh, hey, you've got a package. Click here to check it. Oh, hey, your package is being returned. Click here to re like reject the return and have it actually delivered. Like whatever it is. Everybody in 2022 is getting packages delivered left, right, and center, right? We're getting drones dropping packages. We got Am um, Amazon's got their own delivery service and stuff like that, right? People get packages all the time. So seeing an email isn't a big deal. With Royal Mail actually being hit, if I was a threat actor, I'd be like, hey, you know what's a great opportunity? Tell people about their Royal Mail packages. Oh, hey, your package is all screwed up because of the cyber attack. Click here to cut to the front of the line or whatever. Boom. 
I got your creds. Oh, hey, download this app that will allow us to identify where you live um, so we can deliver your package. As, as silly as that sounds, people would do it because it's like, hey, our, our travel and logistics system screwed up. But if you install this thing, we'll be able to know where you are and get your package to you ASAP. People will do that because they want the package. And now you got malware all up on your system. Boom, roasted. So be mindful of that. I would see this as an increased likelihood of attack. So, you know, calculate your risk. App leaked operations data. Police used the app Sweep Wizard from Odin Intelligence to coordinate raids across agencies. However, a new report from Wired discovered that the app leaked confidential details about hundreds of operations over multiple years. The publication received a tip that the app's API would retrieve confidential information when using a specific URL. This included personally identifiable information about officers and over 5,700 suspects, including things like addresses, contact information, and social security numbers in about 1,000 instances. Security experts believe a configuration error caused the leak. When contacted by Wired, the Los Angeles Police Department said it suspended use of the app until it completes an investigation. Odin Intelligence also took down the app from mobile app stores while it investigates the issue. Okay, obviously... All right, so guys, all software is written by humans, and it can be um, it can be vulnerable. Okay, so you know I had no idea that police used apps to coordinate uh, raids and takedowns. I guess it makes sense, um, right? But you know, misconfigured databases. I, I'm seeing in chat here from the mods that it, it could have been a corrupted database. They said in the story that it was a misconfiguration, guys. I'm not even going to say it was a misconfigured S3 bucket, okay? I'm I'm done I'm done for today pooping on Amazon. But dude, just because a just because a publicly accessible database or something that has API calls works doesn't mean you're done. It means that now you need to validate that it doesn't work in the situations it's not supposed to work. You are obligated to check both situations, not just five nines, and the users who can get it can get it. You need to do the other part. This is a perfect segue. I just want to let everybody know that later today, literally at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, today on January 12th, Evan Ottinger from TCM Security is coming on. He is an AppSec practitioner. He's a senior security engineer. He knows all about application security. That's what we're going to be talking about. This story plays in perfectly. Just because you write an app and it does what it's supposed to do doesn't mean you're done. Now, uh, if it was a corrupted database that caused this issue, I mean, that would be a really spurious hit. And with all due respect, I'm not calling the mods wrong. I'm just saying it seems weird if a database gets corrupted, that it corrupts in such a fashion that it's still accessible, still able to drop details, and it just changed the configuration of its public accessibility. That seems a little convenient. Um, but I hope, I hope as a, you know, per, a person of light, right? A person of the, the good, the good side, the light side, the, the good vibrate, the good vibes team over here, I hope that none of these law enforcement officers or police operations were compromised in any way. I hope no informants, no undercover agents were compromised in any way. I mean, we've all seen Reservoir Dogs, right? Mr. Orange, like, well, Mr. Pink, Mr. Blue, Mr. Brown. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for anyone, although I may just have done that. Cool. Sorry. <laughs> Damn it. Um, 
Okay. Maybe the corrupted database was the NOTAM story. Anyways, um, it just goes to show you, dude, sometimes the consequences can be quite severe of a misconfigured database. Binance admits flaws in stablecoin backing. The world's largest cryptocurrency exchange disclosed errors in its stablecoin reserves, with analysts estimating at times that it missed collateral obligations by over $1 billion. The token, BUSD, is branded by Binance, but issued and managed by a third party, Paxos Trust. A Binance spokesperson framed the miscollateral as part of operational delays, but claimed enhanced discrepancy checks now ensure it's backed one-to-one. It's unclear how long the token remained under-collateralized, but Binance said it did not impact redemptions for users. Analyst data seen by Bloomberg found that the BUSD token often remained under-collateralized between 2020 and 2021. Oh my god. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. All right, so Binance, the the remaining, you know, uh, FTX went down. Binance is another one of these uh, cryptocurrency exchanges. Coinbase is another one. Binance, you know, claims up and down that, you know, this is the one that's run by CZ. Uh, it's not in the United States. It's kind of unsure exactly where it's housed from. They don't get audited. They're not regulated. Uh, and surprise, a flaw a flaw, a very convenient flaw, I might add, um, question whether or not they had pegged their stablecoin. Now, without getting into like all the crypto stuff, and again, I, I know enough to be dangerous. I'm not a crypto bro or any of that stuff. But basically, the idea is that cryptocurrency is incredibly volatile, right? And it's not backed on anything. So it's really based on market demand, which is why there's so much pump and dump going on. And, you know, Fortune favors the brave. Thanks, Ma thanks, Matt Damon. Thanks, Tom Brady. Like, th th the reason you were hired is to pump the crap out of this so it appears like it's got value. All right? Well, stablecoin, stable coins were supposed to peg the crypto to a U.S. dollar in order to have it um, fluctuate in uh, relation to an actual currency that's in use. And the idea was this would remove the volatility and the risk of crypto. <sighs> okay, that's the promise. And like, I guess the idea is that gets you over the hump of like, oh, this is a little risky. Oh, it's pegged to the dollar. Here's $500,000. Oh, what? I lost all my money? Yeah, because it's all hot trash. So anyways, long story short, Binance has discovered a flaw that like they weren't actually pegged to the US dollar after all for some period of time. Looks like they fixed it. I don't know, man. Like crypto is like the 2020s version of like scratchies or <laughs> scratch tickets or something, you know, or, or, uh, you know, they're Lulu row pants or is it Lulu row pants or uh, Tupperware or Avon? It, it's, it's all about like selling other people on it. That's what it is. Anyways. And now a word from our sponsor app Omni. Can you name all the third party apps connected to your major SaaS platforms like Salesforce and Microsoft? What about the data these apps can access? After all, one compromised third-party app could put your entire SaaS ecosystem at risk. With App Omni, you get visibility to all third-party apps and SaaS-to-SaaS connections, including which end users have enabled them and the level of data access they've been granted. Visit appomni.com to request a free risk assessment. All right, the it's the mid-roll, so you know what we do. If you're new here, this is what we do on the mid-roll. 
Hey, 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 hey. All right, guys, it's the mid-roll. I want to take a moment and just thank all of you for being here. Special thanks to Barricade Cyber Solutions and Recon InfoSec for their continued support of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Definitely appreciate it. If you're getting any educational value out of this, if you're getting any entertainment value out of this, if you're getting educational and entertainment value out of this, the best way to say, hey, Jerry, nice job, hit the like button. I'm not, I'm not like craving for these likes. The reason I ask for it is because once we hit a certain threshold, YouTube says, hey, look, all these cybersecurity people say that this show is good. Let me go show this to other cybersecurity people who have not seen this show and see if they like it. This is how we grow the Simply Cyber community. This is how we get better networking, better engagement in the streams. So take a minute, hit the like button. Thank you, Paula Terranova. Let's go for 100. All right, while we're doing that, while you guys are hitting the like button, I want to kick the raffle off. The raffle is live right now. If you want to enter, the code is OSINT, O-S-I-N-T, OSINT. Enter OSINT now to enter the raffle. All right, and while that's queuing up, I want to remind everybody the pin chat is for IT Pro, uh, formerly IT Pro TV. You can see here, if you click on the link, it goes to Simply Cyber. Uh, basically, you get 30% off uh, your first month, your first year. Um, I'm actually, like I, I promised you guys, I'm actually digging in there to see what they have. It's actually pretty cool. They have courses, practice tests. So if you want to take A+, Sec+, practice exams, they got those, virtual labs. I'm actually been working through the uh, IoT pen testing course with um, Daniel Lowry. Like you guys know Daniel Lowry. I really like Daniel Lowry, this guy right here. I've been working through it. I enjoy it. Now, guys, another thing that we do every Thursday is what's your meme Thursday? Dan Ridden, a.k.a. Haircut Fish in chat. Yep, they have the CEH practice exam in there, Justin. Let's, let's double check it. Practice tests. CEH right here. There you go. You can run a practice test just like that. Pretty much any, any test you want. It's, it's pretty cool. Carrie got the A+, CCNA, SISM, SISP, they're all here. All right, guys. So every Thursday is What's Your Memes Thursday? And Dan Reardon's bringing the heat. So I've been doing a lot of haiku streaming lately. I've got my own grid runner here. Thank you. Thank you, Dan Reardon, AKA Haircut Fish. Congratulations on the new job, Dan. And I'd like you all to meet my avatar on World of Haiku, where I grid run in a post-apocalyptic dystopian future connected to the internet. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you, Dan, so much. Guys, I wanna remind you, every single Monday morning, I send an email at 6 a.m. Eastern time into your inbox that I wrote on Saturday that has three pieces of actionable intel, one for your end users, one for your peers, one for your executives that you can instantly leverage to reduce cyber risk for your organization and make yourself look even more like an all-star than you already are. Go to simplycyber.io slash newsletter to sign up. If you don't like it, unsubscribe. I don't care. I, no hurt feelings, okay? All right, let's get our la-la-las on. La-la-la-la, la-la-la-la, la-la-la-la-la. Guys, it's really great. Let's look at the uh, raffle here. Got 82 people in. 
I'll give it 10 more seconds to enter OSINT to enter the raffle, and then we're gonna draw. Good luck to everybody. Thank you, Paula Terranova. I'm glad you, you enjoy it. Let's roll. Harish, Harish Kumar. Nice job, Harish. Nice job, Harish Kumar. Congratulations on nailing that raffle prize. Congratulations. Harish, connect with me on Discord to collect your prize. Uh, very happy for you. Glad you won it. Guys, I want to just take one second. If you are on Team Replay or you're live and you want to enter to win the OSINT raffle tomorrow, Friday, uh, January 13th, you have to go to the Discord server. I'm going to play a short 10-second video that shows you exactly where to go on the Discord server and what to click. Watch the video. Um, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. I was turning off and on a background. Here we go. Watch the video. <laughs> Get the invite. You're in the Simply Cyber Discord. The giveaway channel. And that's it. It's simple as that. Exclamation point Discord in chat to get to the Discord server if you're not already a member. Once you're in the Discord Simply Cyber server, scroll down to the left to the giveaway channel click on it and you'll see right there there's an active raffle you just hit the celebration emote to enter the raffle i'll tell you right now i'm in the simply cyber discord server and right at this time we have 40 people who have entered so you have a very strong chance of winning at this time because the, the odds are ever in your favor if you have any questions um you know ping me on discord or ask one of the mods everybody's here to help in confirms ransomware attack. The British newspaper confirmed the attack dating back to December, saying that threat actors accessed the personal data of UK-based staff. In a memo to staff, Guardian Management said the highly sophisticated attack involved third-party access to its network, likely through phishing messages that resulted in installing malware. It does not believe attackers accessed personal information on US and Australian staff or any readers and subscribers. The paper delayed a return to office work in the UK until early February to allow IT staff to focus on network restoration, with some critical systems expected back up within the next two weeks. All right. So, you know, no surprise to anybody. The Guardian got hit. They, You know, this is classic um, playbook, right? You don't disclose what's happening until you've kind of got your stuff in order. They are now confirming it was a ransomware attack, which many of us um, believed it was. They said that they were not severely impacted from a um, operational impact perspective. They were still able, you know, a lot of their reporters work remotely. Um, they were able to, uh, you know, post their news stories online and stuff like that. So it wasn't absolutely devastating for them, but it was a ransomware attack nonetheless. And they do have to go through the process of, you know, contacting their insurance company, getting the executives involved. Um, do you pay the ransom? How much is the ransom? Do you have somebody like Barricade Cyber Solutions there to talk to the threat actors, negotiate down? Um, you know, basically that's all the things. Started with a phishing attempt. Uh, the victim was tricked in an email. Um, you know what, guys? 
highly sophisticated cyber attack doesn't mean that they're using elite zero days and like mission impossible level espionage. It just means that they orchestrated and executed a well-oiled attack. In this case, phishing email, probably spear phishing, got, got the creds logged in, maybe MFA, maybe made them download a piece of malware and allowed them to remote in, whatever it was. You know, I say this all the time, guys, like with all due respect, yeah, the Guardian's well known and everything, but dude, it's just another ransomware attack. Like it's a day that ends in Y. Ransomware attacks are rampant and it sucks that it's the absolute norm now. We've normalized ransomware attacks, but as I have always say, it's about cyber resiliency, not cyber security, okay? You, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hit. It's all about reducing the impact and re reducing the impact of a successful cyber attack and reducing the time period between when the cyber attack occurs, when you know that you've been attacked. And usually with ransomware, it's super easy because <laughs> they tell you that you're attacked. Uh, and then the amount of time it takes to uh, recover from um, the cyber attack and get back to normal business operations. So not a lot to do here. Guys, I do want to say what's up um, to Aunt Donna. My Aunt Donna is in chat right now. I'm going to drop her a little spicy and a John Strand. Um, hello, Aunt Donna. Glad you could be here. All right, let's all go on. If you guys want to say hi to Aunt Donna, please, please, uh, please do that. And we'll keep on with the stories. Cloud-based malware triples in 2022. This finding comes from a report from Netscope Threat Research. It found that over 400 unique cloud applications delivered malware in the year, three times the amount seen in 2021. It also noted that 30% of all cloud malware downloads originated from Microsoft's OneDrive, followed by Weebly and GitHub. Netscope correlates the rise in cloud malware to the overall increase in regular cloud usage within organizations, with 25% of global users uploading data daily to OneDrive. The report found Australia saw the biggest growth in cloud malware compared to web-delivered malware, while the telecom sector saw the biggest increase. Okay, so I do appreciate this. I, like, I do want to kind of consume a little bit more about this before I deliver a, an opinion on this. Um, oh, Paula Terranova with five gifted subs. Thank you, Paula Terranova, and whoever consumes those gifted subs, like Ken Pryor, Thomas Kolb, GBOR, Reaper01, you guys giddy up on that. Be sure to uh, take advantage of all these sick emotes, including I'll drop a couple hacker mans in here. Hacker man, hacker man. Definitely take advantage of those. Thank you so much, Paula, for the um, gifted subs. Guys, here's the deal. Okay, here's the deal. First of all, um, dark reading. If you don't know, I have high respect for dark reading. Dark reading's been delivering cybersecurity blogs and news content uh, for quite a while. And I believe that they are a awesome, legit um, source of cybersecurity information. So first off, that, darkreading.com. Definitely, definitely, definitely recommend you guys check it out. Next thing, I'm, I'm going to give it a little bit of a grain of salt because it's on dark reading, but you guys got to remember, something like this, Netscope, threat research, malware delivering cloud apps nearly tripled, okay? Highly probable, highly probable that Netscope sells a product that helps you deal with cloud malware, <laughs> right? Helps you deal with, I bet you they sell a Casby solution, right? Let me see. Netscope, let's see what they sell. Uh, what do you sell, what do you sell? Uh, 
security service edge, right? So I guess the service edge is now what we're calling the cloud, right? See CASB, Zero Trust Network Architecture, SWG. I don't even know what acronym that is now. Dude, the, the security vendor product market, they're constantly coming up with like new acronyms and new terms so they can like be bleeding edge with whatever's new. But just know this, um, Netscope, like this, the results of this report definitely helps. Like, it's like, oh, here's all this bad stuff. And if you don't want this bad stuff, consider our product, which will help it, right? So you've got to be mindful that there is an agenda in Netscope doing this research. Now, having said that, if the research is sound and you can follow its logic in, a, in an objective way, then, you know, good on them. And I'm glad they funded it, right? It's marketing budget. Okay, now let's get into the meat of it. Here's the deal, guys. In 2022, if there is a link to some like, you know, XYZ dot, you know, CN dot, you know, SE website for you to click on to download malware, every single email gateway or EDR solution is going to be like, hell no. What are you joking me with this? It'll, it'll, um, it'll absolutely not work. And it might even flag some stuff, right? Uh, yeah. I, oh yeah. Thanks, Joel Belton. It is 2023. Okay. So here's the deal. If you host your malware on Google drive, if you host your malware on OneDrive, if you host your malware, wherever, and I send you a link, Hey Joel, here's the Q4 numbers. Hey, uh, aunt Donna, here is a report on you know, COVID research in 2022, or here is like um, some new like sites to go, like new polling sites to go vote, like whatever it is, insert your fish here. And the link says OneDrive or the link says Google Drive. It, first of all, you might be like, okay, I know OneDrive. I've been trained to look for suspicious domain names by my InfoSec department, but I know OneDrive. We use OneDrive. OneDrive's okay. <laughs> Boom. Owned, right? Or hold on. Boom, roasted. <clears throat> okay, boom, roasted. Second of all, <clears throat> when you click, <clears throat> gosh, when you click on the link, any type of uh, firewall, email gateway, uh, IDS, like whatever, is going to look at it and say, you're going to Microsoft's infrastructure. You've either, you know, whitelisted it and cleared it, or it's definitely not going to show up on any like naughty list, right? Any, any kind of threat, um, threat feeds as malicious domains, like no way is OneDrive ever going to show up as a malicious infrastructure, even though criminals are using it that way. So do you understand by threat actors leveraging these known reputable file sharing services, they're able to basically I mean, this is, this is so apropos, right? This is a threat actor. This is OneDrive, okay? This is also OneDrive. You see the problem? Just gonna walk right into your inbox and detonate malware all up in your face. So I'm not surprised that it tripled in 2022. Guys, we're getting good at blocking threat actors in some ways, and they're like, threat actors are like running water. They're going, like, if you put a sandbag in front of them, they're going to try to go around it. They're going to try to find a different way. They're going to build up and go over the sandbag. Like, whatever it is, they are going to find a way. You know why? Because it's financially motivating. Great cash, homie.
That one's for Kimberly. It's straight cash, homie. So if I can deliver malware, if I can do espionage, if I can pwn you, if I can get your, in, if I can install an info stealer and steal your crypto wallets, they're gonna do it, right? So that's what's going on here. It's a tough one too, because when you're educating your end users to look for suspicious domains, OneDrive isn't gonna flag off on them and they're gonna be like, oh, it's not a big deal. So you gotta make sure your EDRs are tuned correctly. You gotta make sure you're training your end users to be aware that, hey, you know what? If you're not expecting an email from whoever, be alert about it. If you really think you won a $500 gift card to Home Depot, maybe you should, you know, think how ridiculous that sounds, right? If you think you want a Dick's Sporting Goods Yeti cooler, maybe you should question the, the legitimacy of that, right? California says digital IDs are coming. As part of California's budget proposal for 2023 and 2024, Governor Gavin Newsom said that in a matter of months, people will be able to get your driver's license on a digital wallet. Newsom offered no other details other than to say it would be next level. While Apple has led the charge for digital IDs, California is not on the company's list of states committed to supporting storing digital IDs in Apple Wallet. Right now, the feature is available on Apple Wallet in Colorado, Arizona, and Maryland, with nine other states in testing, including Connecticut, Georgia, Hawaii, Iowa, Kentucky, Mississippi, Ohio, Oklahoma, and Utah. Okay, okay. All right. Hey, you know what? I'm not terribly unhappy with this. I love the idea of smaller footprints. I mean, me personally, I don't carry a wallet. I have my phone, and then I have a... a, a a phone case that holds a couple digital cards, uh, a couple physical credit cards, IDs and stuff. So if we could, you know, bake it in, that's really cool. I just want to remind everybody that like, if the phone dies, if you drop it in a toilet, if you leave it on a plane, you all of a sudden don't have an ID. So like, yeah, it's wicked convenient, but you're also accepting a level of risk by that, you know, by accepting that convenience, you're also changing your risk profile about, you know, having ID on you at any time, right? Plus, I want to remind you, um, I would think that it would be incredibly easy to make fraudulent IDs, right? Like, guys, fake ID, you know, like a physical fake ID, when you take it to the bar or you try to get on an airplane as, you know, like a criminal trying to flee the country or whatever, like, I, I don't care what your use case is, just a fake ID. You know, they take it, they fold it, they look at it. Has it got the hologram? Does it smell like an ID? Yes. Okay. You're good to go. Very scrutinizing, right? The bouncer with the flashlight. This is software. This, I feel, could be fraudulent. You could create a fake lookalike Apple wallet driver's license app and hold it up. And unless the bouncer, unless the TSA has some type of companion app that knows how to validate the authenticity and the integrity of the ID that is being displayed. Rampant fraud is what I'm thinking. Like the second I see this, that's the first thing I think of like, oh, well, that'll be easy to clone. Like pff, next, right? So not only are you as an individual taking on the risk of like not having your ID because your phone dies or you crack the screen or you leave it, but you're also introducing a macro level issue of fraudulent identification getting all dropped out everywhere. Yeah. If it had PKI, if there was some type of um, integrity mechanism to check it, but that has to be, that has to be rolled out everywhere, right? Like if it's just on your phone, it's just on your phone. If you're going to have some type of checks and balances system behind it to authenticate, 
to uh, um to validate the integrity of the ID, then all of the places that are going to accept that ID have to be hooked into that platform as well, right? And that doesn't even get into all the challenges of PKI with like certificate revocation, fraudulent certificates, all this other stuff, right? I think that this is a cool idea, but I think there's gonna be a, like, I'll put it this way. I'm usually a tech early adopter. I love myself some tech. This is one that I'm not hopping on board on day one. There's gonna be a lot of challenges with this thing. Um, but you know, I like where we're going with it. Ransomware attacks decrease in 2022. It seems like we cover ransomware attacks with increasing frequency here on cybersecurity headlines, but the 2022 state of ransomware report from Delinea made the argument that attacks decreased last year. It surveyed 300 U.S. based organizations, finding that 25% experienced ransomware attacks in the year, down from 64% in 2021. Organizations paying a ransom also declined, down from 82% to 68% in 2022. This seems to correlate to a decrease in budget for ransomware. 68% of those surveyed said they allocated a budget for ransomware protection in 2022, down from 93% a year before, while organizations with ransomware incident response plans decreased from 94% to just 71%. What? Uh -huh. Okay, so that was confusing. So. Um, all right, so uh, ransomware attacks decreased in 2022. Now they cite in the story that organizations are like a, a significant amount of organizations are less likely to pay um, the ransom, right? Like 86% and now it's down to 61%. Or um, well, let me fact check those numbers. 82% down to 68%, okay? So less orgs are paying, right? So ransomware threat actors are less likely to get money, which by the way is why they do data exfil and sell it on the secondary market uh, and do name and shaming and stuff like that. Uh, I don't think, this doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, organization budget allocation for ransomware's decline. That has like, just because the CFO or the CEO doesn't give me more money for my InfoSec budget, earmarked for ransomware has no impact on the number of ransomware attacks. Like it just means that I'm, I have to make, I have to do more with less. I've got to make chicken soup out of chicken because I didn't get budget. Like the ransomware actors don't give a crap about that. Um, I will say that if ransomware attacks did decrease, that's a positive sign. Um, agreed with somebody who just said it in chat. There's probably instances where they're not reporting. Um, guys, uh, I don't see any slowdown in ransomware, like decreased 61%. Like think about how much of a decrease that is. That is, it's not decreased down to 61% of orgs. They said like basically in 2021, there was X amount. And in 2022, there was 61% less. That's massive. Now I would think if I had to speculate, the war in Ukraine um, is a factor right? A lot of ransomware threat actors operate in, you know, like, let's be honest here, right? A lot of them operate in Russia. A lot of them operate in Ukraine. Reval uh, was partly, uh, or was Ukrainian. Conti ransomware was Russia, Ukrainian. Um, a lot of these ones operate over there. So if their focus and efforts are less on ransomware and more on, you know, fighting for whichever side of that conflict that they align with, 
then yeah, there's going to be less ransomware attacks. So I don't know if it's, um, I don't know if the industry is doing more and that's why ransomware attacks are decreasing or if it's just that the threat actors are less likely to be executing attacks because they're distracted with other priorities. And 2023 or whenever the Russian-Ukrainian conflict uh, resolves itself, um, you know, there'll be a surge in ransomware attacks. In fact, as I'm talking about it, you know, think about it for a second. Like the Russian economy is like devastated. Many, many businesses pulled out of Russia. Uh, Putin is conscripting individuals to go fight in the war. Like Russia as a society, again, I'm not there. I'm not wicked well-versed in all this. I'm just reporting on what I've heard and seen in the media. But Russia is like really getting um, like just just hurt the citizens of Russia, right? The, the society. So when, when this thing resolves... I could imagine a lot of people being like either out of work or hungry or not really having a lot of options uh, and then turning to cybercrime, frankly, because there is a industry in that space of the world um, to facilitate it. And ransomware as a service model is a model. So you don't even have to really understand what's going on or what you're doing. You just have to get initial access and uh, drop malware. So hot take. I know it's... <laughs> I know it's just the beginning of 2023, but you know I would expect ransomware attacks not to continue on this trend of decreasing. Profile security threat seems like a prime opportunity to alert potential customers about how you're- All right, so that is an ad. So that's gonna do it for the stream. If you guys were here just for the news, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm gonna do a little bit of jaw jacking here. Um, whoops, sorry if I just blew your ears out. Do a little bit of jaw jacking. Want to thank Aunt Donna for being in the stream. Want to thank all of you for being here. I hope you can come later today at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time to join me for Simply Cyber Live, where I'll be talking with Evan Ottinger about what you're getting wrong about AppSec. I've kind of evolved the Simply Cyber Live format to more of a fireside chat, more more grab, grab. Good times. Uh, we're on topic, we're on brand, but it's, it's, it's less formal now and it's more chill. Uh, and I like that, and that's how it rolls for me. So come join us there. Uh, this has been the Simply Cyber Daily Threat Briefing on January 12th, Thursday. I thank you for being here. Now, for the rest of us who are here to jaw jack. <laughs> let's do it. Um, let me do this. Let's let's check chat here. Eric Taylor, busy with the war. Yep, excellent. Have a great day. Thank you, Sinclair. Eric McClellan, thank you for the stream. My pleasure. Carrie, always good. Nora, hey there. Darby Crash, I saw you yesterday on Security FWD. It was good to see you. Carrie, Carrie. Harish, good job. Can I message you on LinkedIn for the OSIN course? Yes, Harish, that'll work. I'll get you what you need. Take it easy, Gail Salins. Oh, thank you, Brady Mac. I appreciate that. I do love doing that. Oh, guys, as far as emote go, uh, someone actually mentioned in chat um, yesterday about getting an Antoine Dobson uh, emote for this. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. I wanted to poll chat. Do you guys want an Antoine Dobson uh, emote? Oh, hey, Brady McNulty. Good to see you, Mr. Pharmacist. Smokey Bear. We've got some Smokey Bear ones. Yeah, if you say ransomware three times in the mirror, Eric Taylor appears behind you. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Hey, Jared Matthews, Just Ben, good for you.
Chat mode, chat GPT mode. That could be good. Let's see if Jerry keeps going past my replay start time. LOL. Casey, let me know. Let me know when it is base case and I'll, I'll stop it. I do. I, I try to keep it to 45 minutes, guys. Oh, Nate passed his net plus before Christmas. Let me give you an emote for that one. Um, what would be appropriate? Wow. Nice job, Nate. Congratulations on you. Congratulations on that. Keep on rocking. Allison Van Stone up in the house. Allison, did you watch the marketing to cyber video? I hope you did. Hope you got value out of it. Rhea was awesome. Good to see you. Mitch, Tom Bishop in here. Pamela, how's the new car, Pamela? Hope it's going well. No issues. Uh, Paula Terranova with the crypto class. I had to. I, I broke down the whole semester for my students today. I do a whole lecture on encryption. I'll be honest with you guys. It's my least favorite lecture, but I do it, you know. Ooh, Justin Loken with the 500 plus. Nailed it, Justin. Keep on cranking, man. Nice haircut fish doing a live stream on Zeke. Very cool. What about CPEs? How can we prove that we receive those? How can we prove that we have received those? Yeah, I mean, hold on. Who asked that question? Eric the Gray. So Eric, if you at least ISC squared and ISACA, like security webinars, just like this one, qualify. Now it's one hour, one CPE. Now the show is technically 45 minutes, but to err on the side of caution, I say half a CPE per episode. By saying you are here in chat, you will have a forensically sound auditable piece of evidence, that window on the other side of this box over there, where you say you are here. Now, when you claim that you attended 40 episodes of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, you are being honest and that's 20 CPEs. If they question any of them, say, which one are you questioning? Oh, January 12th. Okay. Here's a link. Here's a link to Jerry's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, January 12th episode. I leave them all up. They're all available on replay. Here's my link. If you watch it, you'll see where I um, chimed in that I was there. By the way, I want to mind you that ISC Squared has an ethical um, agreement that people agree to when they get the ISC Squared. So... You know, believe that I am adhering to that ethical standard. And, you know, if, you know, don't question my integrity, but I was here. Here's the evidence. That's what I would do. I did recently find out that CompTIA can only allow up to 10 CPEs to uh, do this uh, type of webinar. So be mindful of that. Uh, do, do the work, though. Um. Eric, maybe, I guess if you want to look into it and, and shoot me what you find, I, I don't have the time to do that. Um, also, I, I, could, I could do this as a Zoom meeting and have you like register, uh, but I don't do it that way. I do it as much more of an open door policy. Um, okay, so zombie guy, maybe it's 15. You just, if you're claiming CPEs, just look, look at the policy. They make them widely available. Um, Cool. There's a Sec Plus study group on Discord. Very cool. Get that. Yeah, I don't want to do Zoom either, Joel Belton. Um, I want to also let everybody know that uh, Recon InfoSec Thursday Defensive is today. It is at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I forgot to mention it earlier. I, I love this thing. Chris Garretts is the guest today talking about detection engineering, rule writing. 
this is a really cool thing. If, you, if you're a SOC analyst, if you're an aspiring SOC analyst, if you like hanging out with like-minded, cool people in the industry, definitely check out Thursday Defensive on Recon InfoSec. I'm going to drop a link in chat right now. It's free. It's easy. It's super chill. I usually go when I can. I haven't been in a few weeks, but you know that's that's how I am. Have a good one, Paula Terranova. Um, there we go. We'll give you a toasty, Paula. Thanks for the squad um, membership drops today, to Paula. Yep, you can take a screenshot. Joshua B's got a point there. You could definitely do that. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me today. I wish you all the very best. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your continued support. Thank you for sharing the uh, daily cyber threat briefing with your network, with your community. Uh, we're doing great work here, and I'm, I'm genuinely proud of what we do. So congratulations to all of you for being awesome. Go out, crush your Thursday. I'll see you guys at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time for Simply Cyber Live with Evan. Or I'll see you tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. for the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Either way, I'll see you soon. And until next time, stay secure.